Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with another episode of Red Sox Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network and our official online gaming partner, BetOnline.ag. Back with Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub, and you can follow him on Twitter. Does a fabulous job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5 TheSportsHub.com. Alex, a ton to get to on this episode of Red Sox Beat. We'll start with the positive because there's a lot of crap swirling around the Boston Red Sox right now. But David Ortiz's Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony in Cooperstown on Sunday, it was about love. It was about family, thanking his daughter, thanking his wife, Tiffany, who's been through with him through thick and thin. Um, you know, He really spoke about trying to show a sign of love in baseball and love of life in a time that he, he said, there's a lot of trouble out there nowadays. And I, I thought it was, you know, classic big poppy trying to bring a smile to everybody's face. What did you think? Yeah, that was awesome. It was everything it needed to be in classic fashion. David Ortiz didn't let us down. He lived up to expectations, right? I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's also, even going beyond the Red Sox, I think it was a memory of when baseball was in a better place, and it's something you'd think the game would want to embrace back when it was truly yep. America's pastime. And there's opportunities to hearken on that era, and, and you know they're just getting passed up with these guys like Bonds not getting into the Hall of Fame. So... Uh, I'm glad Ortiz got in on the first ballot. I was a little worried about that, given his uh, connection, albeit improper connection, to to the Mitchell report and the steroid era. But I thought he absolutely delivered with that speech. It was fantastic. It was cool seeing so many former Red Sox there, and it kind of hammers on the point that he wasn't just a great baseball player, but a great teammate, a great leader, a great person. And, uh, yeah, it was a nice little reprieve from what has been the doom and gloom of the Boston Red Sox. So uh, I want to read this one quote uh, from his speech. I want to thank the United States of America for welcoming me with open arms since I was practically a child and giving me the opportunity to develop and fulfill all my dreams and then some more. Thank you very much, U.S. I guess the reason I, I, I point that out is because this is a man who accomplished so much, but Deep beneath it all, he's still very humble and very grateful. And anytime you see David Ortiz smiling, which is all the time, I I, I did enjoy uh, Poppy and Casa during the All-Star game on Fox. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that was, was classic David Ortiz. That's what baseball needs. He is a natural, God-loving ambassador to the game of baseball. And not only is he an ambassador, but he's a very grateful person. Yeah, he is. He, again, you'd think baseball would, and, and look, they've done a good job of embracing him. You know, I think his, his role on Fox is pretty central, all of that, but baseball needs more guys like David Ortiz. And I think they yes. have some, in, no pun intended, in the ballpark, and they're just choosing to kind of let that go for uh, what I would call petty reasons. Well, I mean, and I, I think when you watch baseball now, it's not necessarily to me, the length of the games. Yes. A lot of them drag on and, and that's problematic, but you need the energy he exudes and the passion for the sport that he brings. I mean, how many years, how many decades did we hear in America about how boring and slow soccer is because there was no scoring? Well, in these other countries, they don't consider 
football, as it were, uh, soccer, boring. It's a game of passion and love. And, you know, when I was growing up in the 70s, I had the big red machine here in Cincinnati, obviously. And it going to Reds games was about the passion for the sport, passion for the team. And baseball, more than worrying about, you know, minutes and hours, needs to worry about why people should care. Why should people get emotionally vested in that sport, in that business. That, to me, that's what David Ortiz represents. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. All right, uh, let's move on uh, to the business at hand, and it ain't very good. What We were texting back and forth on Friday night, this little inside baseball, so to speak, uh, about yep. what was happening at Fenway Park. I couldn't believe it. And... It wasn't the fact that Toronto hung four touchdowns on the scoreboard in, you know, an old Boston Patriot Denver Bronco game back when the Patriots used to play at Fenway Park. It was 28 Toronto Blue Jay runs because the Red Sox were sloppy all over the field. Forget the fact that Jaron Duran watched Tapia's fly ball fly over him for an inside the park grand slam. He didn't run after it. There was like a, a chicken line dance uh, of of Red Sox uh, relay players in the outfield nobody knowing who who's going to throw to where it's just it was bizarre that play alone then you had the pop on the infield that was dropped and mishandled and and nobody reacted nobody responded and to me that's more of an indictment on the Red Sox the way they played that game than the 28 runs themselves which was obviously a franchise record against Boston um that game to me, after getting blown out twice by the Yankees, uh, heading into the all-star break, a huge, huge red flag. Yeah. I mean, that was just miserable and the fielding, the pitching, I mean, it was, it was all bad. It, it, it looks like a team that had given up, right? It looks like a team that had given no up question. and coming off of a couple of days off that that's just so incredibly concerning. There's really no other way to put it. It's it's almost not even worth analyzing. It's not even worth breaking down because it wasn't a baseball issue that they lost by right. well, a little bit because they don't have major league pitching. But it's it's a team that's quit. It's a team that's quit. And I blame the GM and I blame ownership for that. I don't blame Alex Cora. I, the GM. I do has, not blame Alex Cora either. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because you know what is he going to do? I mean, you're not going to yell and scream and. You know, fans wanted him to, you know, pull Duran out of the game and bench him right there. He could have done that. And and certainly that would have sent a message to a rookie player who did not exhibit any type of hustle or effort. It, it wasn't the fact that he missed the play. It was how Jaron Duran responded to the play after he saw the ball on the warning track. He just stood there. And and to me, and and Alex Cora after the game said, Any, anybody can lose that ball. That's a tough sky. It was a bad sky. We knew that would be problematic. That wasn't the issue. But then he was asked, what about him not running after the ball? And Alex Cora, to his credit, said, yeah, we have guys in the dugout to talk to him about that. And they did talk to him about that, which clearly that is what bothered the Red Sox coaching staff and certainly the organization more than uh, anything else. Um Raphael Devers landing on the disabled list, right hamstring inflammation. What do you make of that at this point in time? I make of that as him taking care of himself. This team's going nowhere. Right. He knows he's gone. He's not about to get hurt and lose Does out he on know the money. He's, he's not about to the- back up. 
does Raphael Devers like, if he's if he's laughing at them if he's laughing at them over offers I feel like he feels like there's at least a good chance let me put it this way he doesn't believe he's committed to the Red Sox long term or, or more importantly they're not committed to him long term why should he put himself on the line for a team that comps him to Matt Olson? Right. I mean, and, and Xander Bogarts has to hear that and go, well, if they think Matt Olson is a comp for Rafi, then what do they think of me? And, you know, that's one thing we'll get to in a little bit, whether or not you think there is benefit, true benefit to trading away Rafi, uh, Xander Bogarts at this point, uh, right before the August 2nd trade deadline and what the Red Sox should do to bolster their roster, not just for this year, but going forward. And we'll get to that in just a moment. I'm speaking with Alex Barth of 98.5, the sports hub, doing a great job covering all things Boston sports. Follow him on Twitter at real Alex Barth, all one word. Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including major league baseball scores, all of the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. And certainly we all know the NFL season is approaching quickly. Bet online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and much more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus, get into the action. That's CLNS50 to get the bonus and get in on all the action. Bet online where the game starts. Back with uh, the one and only Alex Barth of 98.5, the sports hub. Um, I want to go back to Devers and the disabled list and what the Red Sox can do now, because I don't, I think their focus is probably one eye is on maybe making one final run at the playoffs. Cause they're what four games, three, three games out of a playoff spot at this point, the final wild card, but more to the point where, what happens to this Red Sox roster in 2023 and going forward. And I just still have a hard time believing the Red Sox, John Henry and ownership are going to put out a roster out there without, you know, assuming that they don't get Juan Soto from Washington. Um, that doesn't include Raphael Devers. Well, the the report today was that they're shopping J.D. Martinez already. So yeah, that makes sense. He's 34 and that totally makes sense, but go ahead. How far, beh how far behind can Bogarts be though? If they know he's going to opt out, you can't lose him for nothing. And he's not somebody you can wait and see in the off season. If you finish it out, him out, he's a free agent. I think there's a chance Bogarts goes and you mentioned Juan Soto. If once, and we talked about this last time I was on, if once, if, if the nationals get an overpay for Juan Soto, you're not going to get the same return for Xander Bogarts, but that's, you can use that kind of as leverage an established an established superstar that needs a new contract. Now Juan Soto is a better player and he's younger, but it's the same ball. You know, there's two things like, with Juan Soto. Let, let's bring that up really yeah. quick. He's 23. He's under player control for, I believe two more seasons after this. Correct. So um, I think it's 24 and one. Oh no, he is 23. To, and, and he's only under, wait a minute. Juan Soto is only under control through 2023. Can look that up. Oh no, you're right. 2024 is that last arbitration. Correct. Year, but he would need that, the new deal. Right. You have one year before you have to give him a new deal. Correct. 
So anyway, that last year is like a ghost year. I don't think a team's going to give up four or five blue, true blue chip prospects. Not many teams in Major League Baseball have that, um, but not many teams are going to give that to Washington and then trade him for even two years. I think if you're going to trade for Juan Soto, the idea is, and the Red Sox are, I think, financially capable after their new um, Jersey deal that maybe we can get to or not. Um, they have still have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in the coffers. And um, there's no question that, you know, if the Red Sox wanted to make that investment on uh, Juan Soto and, and the Nationals felt good enough about the top prospects in Boston, Red Sox could pull that off financially and make him a superstar uh, in Boston, you know, for the next decade and a half, if they, if they so chose. I just don't think reading the tea leaves right now, the way the Red Sox are operating things, that they're going to go that direction. Well, so that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that whatever team trades for Soto, the, that's that's the market for established big league talent. You know, like I, you yeah. can use that deal if you're the Red Sox for Bogarts as a base. And let's say it's, they, they, they want established players and prospects in national too, right? So let's say it's two established players and two prospects. If I'm the Red Sox, I look at that and, and okay, well, that was the price for Soto. I think you can get one and one for Bogarts or maybe the two prospects, no established players. Like letting Soto set that level, I think it makes trading Xander Bogarts extremely attractive. The same with Devers, but I think you have to keep Devers to the offseason just in case, just in case you can convince him to come around and stay here. Because you should do whatever it takes to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, somebody on the inside with the Red Sox told me it's a matter of whether or not the the, the organization shows him the love and the money and whether or not they can convince Devers that they love him and want him in Boston for the rest of his career. If somebody... Which they should. Which I... I, I think they should. I, I do have concerns about Rafi's physical makeup, his ability to stay healthy. I do have concerns about that, both the back and now the hamstring. He looks like he could be prone to inflammation and soft tissue issue uh, issues that he has dealt with in the past. He has a history of this. This isn't something we're pulling out of thin air, right, Alex? This is something that right, right. clearly you've got to be concerned about with Devers if you're going to give him north of $400 million, which I think they're probably, you're, you're looking at 360 to $400 million to sign Raphael Devers. And is that the guy you truly want to make your cornerstone player in the franchise? And that's what I, it's hard to gauge that even for people on the inside because I think there were so many debates taking place right now inside the Red Sox front office about, how they value Devers going. We already know that, you know, if you're throwing out a Matt Olson comp, comp, that isn't the greatest comp in the world. And we've been over that last week. We touched on it earlier here on the pod. It, it's not a great look. Right. But that, that, that means one of two things. It means either a, the Red Sox don't think Devers is that good of a player, which is alarming if that's where their talent evaluation is at, where they don't think Devers is a good player, that's alarming. Or it means that they're just cheap and they know he's better, but they don't want to pay him what he's worth, which is also not great. Oh, I don't think it's the latter. I don't think they, I don't think they're trying to be cheap. I think they are concerned about his physical makeup and one word reliability. 
is this guy going to play 140 games a year for us for the next 10 years? I well, so this is the same team that gave Chris Sale $145 million. Yep, that's a great point. This is the same team that gave Chris Sale. What's his AAV? I think it's like 29. It's it's not 30, but it's almost 30. It's 28, 29. That's the precedent you've set if you're the Red Sox. Now's not the time to overcorrect on that mistake. With Bogarts, <laughs> who's a little older, fine, right? Yeah. Or if it was, for instance, Nathan Evaldi's up. Nobody's clamoring for them to re-sign Nathan Evaldi. Why? Because he can't stay healthy. One, Devers is the player you take that risk for. Two, I wonder how bad some of these injuries are or if he's just taking care of himself because nothing's guaranteed beyond this year. I'm fine. If you're going to give Chris Sale $145 million, you pay Raphael Devers. Uh, I, I agree with that. And again, the Red Sox are not a team and a franchise in the optics. They cannot cry poor mouth. They cannot cry what they cry here in Cincinnati. They cannot. And we'll get to that in just a second. Um, they cannot cry, you know, what they do in Milwaukee or any other Miami, any other small market team that has trouble uh, drawing fans into the ballpark. They're either committed to the guy or uh, they have to say, look, you know, we don't value him. Like you said, they, they don't value him for different reasons uh, the way he and his representatives value him. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Cincinnati Reds. I'm going to mention the name that everybody in the world wants to know about when, when they talk to me here in Cincinnati and, and talk baseball. And it's Luis Castillo. He's Pedro Martinez 2.0. And there has been talk about the Red Sox being interested in a Luis Castillo if I'm the Reds, you better blow me away because Castillo is 25. He's um, in the prime of his career. He's entering the very prime of his career, and he is going to be on a World Series contender. He's going to be a top two, top three picture. He might even be an ace, even on a World Series contender. Uh, my point being, if the Reds are convinced they have to trade Castillo, the Red Sox should make a push because this is a guy who loves Boston, worships, as we all know, uh, Pedro Martinez. We saw what Castillo did every time he came off the mound on May 31st at Fenway, tipped his cap you know, pointed to the sky just like Pedro did. Um, Luis Castillo, how hard should the Red Sox go after him? I would love it. I, I think the problem is the the Reds are getting rid of him because they don't want to pay him, right? Yeah. Yes and no. I think there are people in the organization who believe, and, and I fall into this category, not in the organization, but I, I believe that he is a cornerstone picture. And why trade away your cornerstone picture? He is the franchise in terms of pitching. He is one of you know the five, six best starters in baseball. He's that good. Sure. No, well, so here's my point, right? You're not going to, just give up on that guy. Like you said, like you said, the Red Sox have to blow the Reds away. They would. I agree. Well, what's the Red Sox blow away offer? It's Xander Bogarts. But at that point, if you're the Reds, I mean, you're not renting Xander Bogarts, right? You're no. <laughs> so, and, but they, at that, and at that point, if you're going to trade for him and pay him, wouldn't it make more sense to pay Castillo? Right. So I just don't, the Red Sox are in this weird spot where, they're all, they're not going to trade their prospects. They've made that very clear. High Bloom has made that very clear that that is the group he's going to win with. He's not going to win with the guys who are on the roster. Now 
he's good. He's, if, if he wins a World Series in Boston, it's going to be with guys that are in Worcester and guys that are in Portland and guys that should be in Lowell, et cetera. Right. So if you're not, if he's not going to give up those guys, if I'm the Reds, I'm not taking Xander Bogarts. No. I'll give Castillo the contract at that point. So yeah, it'd be nice to think about the Red Sox getting involved in this. I just don't think that that's the way that their plans are set right now. Like I if mean, he had, yeah, yeah. I just don't. Unless they want Trevor Story. No, they don't. I can assure you yeah, they I don't want that contract. There's no way. I, I wouldn't blame contract. Them. No, no chance uh, whatsoever. Uh, whatsoever. Whatsoever, he said. Um, <laughs> on the field, the Red Sox uh, stopped the hemorrhaging a little bit on Monday night. And I think we need to talk a little bit about one guy in their bullpen, John Schneider, who has had um, just a tremendous, tremendous season. Your impressions of what he's done for the Red Sox. And he might be the one huge bright spot out of the season uh, in a season that's gone south uh, to me that sticks out the most. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. He's somebody I think as we get close to the trade deadline might actually have some value. They might be able to move and get something for him. Contending teams are always looking for bullpen right. help. He, he's been impressive. And, you know, how many times did we do this show and whoever was, you know, the player du jour at the moment, I said, it's just a hot streak. It's not going to last. He's the one guy who's been consistent and hasn't had any dips. So you wish there were more, but yeah, he's been excellent. Well, let me uh, vouch John Schreiber uh, in, on, um, Monday night in the 3-1 win over the Guardians. He got the win. He's 3-1. and one. Uh, Inning in a third, so he recorded four outs, two of them by strikeout, gave up one hit, made his second consecutive scoreless appearance. Alex, John Schreiber has not yep. allowed an earned run in 33 of his 36 appearances. He entered the game with two runners on and two outs in the sixth. Score tied 1-1 before getting an ending-ending ground out from his only batter face. That was Miles Straw. He has stranded 17 of 19 inherited runners this season. That puts him in the top 5% of major league relievers. He's just been a, a tremendous asset. And, you know, Garrett Whitlock got the save. There are pieces on that pitching staff, just not nearly enough. And, and I think the Red Sox, if they're going to be competitive going forward, they've got to make a decision on how they're going to reshape their starting rotation with or without Chris Sale. And the bullpen too. I mean, it's, this is, this has been the theme all year. They don't have enough major league pitching. They haven't had enough major league pitching. You go back to the route, which we need a, a name for that game. I don't know if it's the Fenway flattening or something like that, but the Fenway farce. Yeah. Fenway fart. Uh, <laughs> there's guys throwing in that game. Caleb board, all respect to him. I'm sure he's a very nice individual. He's not a major league pitcher. No, he's not. And you're counting on him to get, you know, throwing big spots there. They don't have, they're, they're throwing guys out there who shouldn't be in the league. And some of it is just guys who I think they got because they're cheap and hope they work out. And then you have guys like, and this is going to be on that game. You have guys like Brian Bayo, who I thought was a truly good prospect. Now I'm worried they're ruining him because he wasn't ready. He was a tremendous prospect, but you can be a tremendous prospect and not right. be ready to pitch in the bigs. You could tell the lights were a little too bright for him. He really needs a true third pitch. He is the fastball and the changeup. He does throw a slider. It's not great. He really needed to either refine that slider slider, or add something else to the repertoire. He didn't do that. Could he have done it if he was given another year? Yeah, probably. And look, could he still do it and be fine? And this year's a blip, of course. But 
it's such a mental thing pitching. He's now come out and gotten shelled multiple times. I think you legitimately worry about where his head's at. And Brian Bayo didn't need to be up this year. He probably shouldn't have been up. The only probably reason he was not. up was because instead of signing any pitcher with a functioning elbow, Mike Miner gave $10 million to <laughs> what, James Mike Pax. Miner? Uh, what? I mean, th- there are a couple of the Red Sox could go out and get a guy like Tyler Malley. He would be available. I know he's not going to cost as much as Luis Castillo, but he is the kind of guy you're talking about to fortify the starting rotation. And if you fortify the starting rotation, I think you lessen the burden a little bit uh, on the bullpen. That's the way I would approach it. Heading into Tuesday's game with Cleveland, the Red Sox are 49 and 48. Uh, they are essentially tied with the Cleveland Guardians at, uh, who stand at 48 and 47. Uh, both playing 505 ball. They are each three games behind in the final wild card spot. The Baltimore Orioles, of course, their huge run right before uh, the All Star break. The Orioles and White Sox are both 48 and 48, three and just a half game behind the Red Sox and Guardians. The top three wild cards teams right now, as we record this, Toronto 53 and 43 on fire since they. Uh, replace their manager uh, before the all-star break Tampa Bay 52 and 44 and Seattle. Um, they won on Monday after losing three straight to the Houston Astros uh, after their amazing 14 game winning streak into the all-star break. So that uh, is the way the American league wildcard race shapes up, but we are giving up. I assume Alex this is safe to do giving up on catching the 66 and 31 New York Yankees at this point. Um, yeah, I got, I got a little, a uh, little too far ahead of myself on that. How one. so? I, cause I was the one saying, I'm not rolling out yet. They uh, got, yeah. you know, they're whatever it was 12 <laughs> back with 16 head to head. Yeah. All right. I, well, I, I, I think we can rule it out here. now safely, unless, I mean, this would be a bigger, bigger miracle than the uh, 78 Yankees. So um, anyway, that's where we are. I uh, want to thank everybody for watching today and uh, this episode of Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network, powered by Bet Online. Thanks, thanks for downloading uh, this episode. He is Alex Barth. He does a great job covering all things Boston sports for 98.5 The Sports Hub. Do follow him on Twitter at Real Alex Barth, all one word for Alex. I'm Mike Petralia Trags. Thanks for downloading this episode of Red Sox Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network.